sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on this Tuesday, September the 29th, 2020. We got a lot to cover here on this show of Fantasy Sports today. Of course, we'll get to the Major League Baseball postseason. It begins in just a couple of hours from now. Give you a preview of all the games in the American League going on today. Discuss the National League as well. Also celebrate with the Tampa Bay Lightning as they take home the Stanley Cup. Congratulations to them as well. Of course, a recap of the Monday night football game to come. No doubt about that. But first and foremost, it does appear we have our first issue with the 2020 football season and a COVID-related issue with the Tennessee Titans, ESPN, and several other outlets, including NFL Network reporting they have had several uh, players and staff members testing positive. And certainly that's where we'll begin our show here today, Joe. And it definitely uh, has to uh, take notice, especially for our fantasy fans that are out there that are playing fantasy football. It is now time to start considering taking some evasive action because this week there is no question that we could be looking at our first postponement of the season. Yeah, it's quite possible. Now the only positive spin you could possibly put on this is the fact that you got this news on a Tuesday as opposed to maybe a Thursday when your waivers might have run already. So you can start to make some adjustments in your league and be proactive rather than reactive. So if someone tested positive, say on Thursday or Friday, man, that puts people in a really tough position in terms of making lineups and getting things straight. But that's the only silver lining here because nobody wants anybody to be sick and nobody wants to be missing football games, let alone the players, let alone the NFL. So we're obviously going to monitor the situation quite closely as the hours of this program go on. I'm sure there's going to be some updates even this afternoon on all this going on. It's a very fluid situation, just kind of like we did with baseball. We're just going to kind of take it as it comes, try to roll with the punches as best as we can. But right now, certainly uh, things are tenuous right now when you're talking about the Titans matchup this week. Yeah, and uh, Jason Lackonfor of CBS is also reporting that the NFL has contacted the Vikings about postponing their game as well on Sunday. So that potentially could uh, have two postponements, but certainly we will have to see. Uh, the other part of this, speaking from experience, and I just saw a report also on ESPN uh, from one of the reporters saying that there's good news that none of the Vikings had tested positive at this point. Um Listen, this is something I have a lot of experience at any player who came in contact with a player on the Tennessee Titans on Sunday is not going to test positive on Tuesday. This takes days for it to happen, just like it happened in Miami and St. Louis. So uh, certainly we're hoping for the best, no doubt about that. But from a fantasy standpoint, at the very least, you should prepare if you have Derrick Henry. If you have Ryan Tannehill, for whatever reason, A.J. Brown has been out. Ironically, there aren't a ton of fantasy options on Tennessee, and so that's, I guess, something. But certainly, if you have Derrick Henry, I would prepare to not have him. If you have anybody on the Pittsburgh side, I would prepare to not have them as well. And then we'll just have to monitor and see what happens on the Vikings side. I'm actually surprised already that they're, they're talking about not playing that game this early in the week. But I suppose if you're running waivers tomorrow, you have Dalvin Cook. No doubt, pick up a backup for him as well. I have Deshaun Watson in a league. I'm going to have to make sure I have a backup quarterback. So these are all the sort of things that uh, I totally expected to happen, and here we are. So that's what this 2020 <laughs> season is going to be, and uh, and we'll have to just keep going and see what happens. And I'm sure Dr. Chow, who will be on our show tomorrow, will weigh in a little bit more 
on the situation. And if we have anything during the show, we will too. But I, I feel like there aren't enough people that are educated enough to what happened in baseball. They're trying to make football a different thing, which it is not. Uh, okay, let's go uh, to our top stories here today. As we mentioned, eight members of the Titans, a few players and, and staff members tested positive. The dangerous part here for Tennessee at this point is if they, how long did they not know that a player was positive? Because that's what happened with Miami and St. Louis with them interacting with each other in the same clubhouse. If this happened in the same uh, locker room, then uh, this could be just the beginning for Tennessee. And again, the one thing that I would say from a fantasy standpoint, in my opinion, is I would stop worrying about this week and start worrying about next week. That, for me, would be more of the issue is how long this is going to go on for. Not This weekend is a very easy fix for them. They could put two teams on a bye week. Uh, but start worrying about the following week. To me, that would be more of the issue. Uh, Lightning win the Stanley Cup right now, and that's a great thing for them, of course. Congratulations. A very good NHL franchise. They've won, now won titles two different times. The MLB postseason begins today in about a couple of hours from now, so we'll get to that as well. A little bit of a surprise with Doc Rivers being on, and the Clippers part of ways with him. They're looking at some other veteran coaches to take over that team and get them to the next level. And uh, we found out yesterday that the Seahawks are going to be without Chris Carson for a week or two. And certainly Joe Carlos Hyde is there. They also have two guys from the University of Miami, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. So I wonder if either of them will get some touches. I know Homer saw a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, he did. But Carl Hyde's been very efficient. Actually, he's just doing some uh, data research on him so far. He's been very efficient with his carries, the ones that he's had. He looked pretty good, looked pretty crisp. And look, he looked pretty good last year as well. So I think Hyde is a very good stopgap this week. Uh, and who knows if you're missing Derrick Henry this week or some other running backs, depending on cancellations. I think Hyde is a very good one to two week plug and play. And then you could drop him immediately whenever those people come back and those games go back on for teams like the Titans or anybody else potentially affected. So he's actually a really good stopgap. And we'll talk more more about him tomorrow on waiver wire Wednesday, but shout out to the Tampa Bay lightning for uh, bringing home the cup. All of a sudden Tampa sports is hot. Craig, you got the Rays as the one seed. You got the Stanley cup there. You got the two and one Brady led box. Who would have thought that the hotbed of sports would be in Tampa Bay of all places in 2020. It is not. It is in Miami. You have the Miami heat who is in the NBA championship. You have the Marlins that are in the postseason, and you have the Dolphins, who are just so great. They beat Jacksonville. It was such a huge game last week, and you have the Hurricanes in the top ten. Uh, fair comparison, though. Both teams are playing pretty well. But the Heat, of course, an NBA championship, so I think that may trump uh, that, may trump that, unless the Rays end up winning a World Series, which could happen as well. All right, we'll go through uh, the Monday night game, fantasy standouts from last night's game. It was really one-sided, but that doesn't mean in fantasy that it was uh, – it was good. It was really bad for me. I lost both my fantasy games on Monday night. Ouch. We'll get into that next. Don't go away. More fantasy sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish. He's Joe Pizzapia. We got you from noon to 2 Eastern today here on Fantasy Sports Today. Monday Night Football, Joe, it was billed to be the game of the year, the game of the decade, and a lot of times that ends up working out. In fact, these two teams have played some really fun games before. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the game of the year or the game of the decade or even maybe even the game of the day in sports yesterday. It was just all Mahomes and all Kansas City in this mm -hmm. one. The game wasn't particularly close. 
And uh, and look, everybody knew how good Patrick Mahomes was and everybody knew how good Kansas City was. But man, did they really impose their will there? And 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 I and look, Baltimore's a really good team, really good offense, really good defense, but they just didn't stand a chance in this game. And by halftime, it looked like there was no reason to even play the second half. Yeah, and on yesterday's show, Mike Blewett and I kind of discussed it right here on Fantasy Sports Today about when is Baltimore going to show up in one of these big games? I mean, because the last two years in the playoffs, they really haven't shown up. They got rolled at home last year by Tennessee. This was another opportunity here at home to kind of make a statement and show a little fortitude. And to be honest with you, if you take away that big kick return for the touchdown, this is even more significant blowout. They put up just 13 points on offense yesterday. So this was really a terrible showing from the offense. Uh, the defense, look, they, they took advantage, I would say, the Chiefs of the aggressiveness at times of the Baltimore defense. They were really able to get them off of what they like to do. You saw a lot of those pass rushing sometimes. They'd be able to move guys into a different scenario, and all of a sudden they would have, you know, dump off passes to the running back, or they'd have Kelsey open in a spot that normally he wouldn't even be open for. But again, it was all about taking advantage of the aggressiveness of Baltimore. And Mahomes is just so good, and he is so at the top of his game right now, and the guy just looked flawless last night. That that touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, I mean, that little shovel toss pass and things like that. You, you know, you're watching Patrick Mahomes play, and it's like a video game, and it's so much fun but at the same time baltimore right now has got to look and look inside and say hey why do we keep failing in these big time matchups that we have that really count because do not fool yourselves boys and girls this matchup counts big time there's only one bye week for a team this year in the afc conference the way the new playoffs are structured so this could very well be a tie-breaking kind of scenario at the end of the day because we know baltimore is going to be a good football team they're going to win a lot of games and so are the chiefs but man, oh man, I just keep waiting for Baltimore to kind of show up. And it was a very disappointing uh, performance by them last night. And basically, I would say this game was over at halftime. I know Baltimore at the second half tried their best to kind of get back into it, but it fell woefully short. Yeah, I needed Harrison Butker to get eight points. He missed a field goal, missed an extra point, crushed me. He did. In another league, my other league, up 45 points up against Mahomes. And, uh, and Watkins and having Ingram and lost that one too. So a tough, tough week for me in fantasy for sure. But uh, we'll roll on this week and see uh, and see what ends up happening. But yeah, tough, tough week for me. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at the fantasy standouts from the game last night. Mahomes, as I mentioned, 385 passing yards, also four touchdowns passing, one rushing touchdown. The Chiefs went light on the Ravens in the second half. Uh, look, Lamar Jackson's fantasy week was a dud, but fantasy-wise, if you just didn't look at the stats and looked at the total points, you would see eight points for rushing yards. You would see four points or six points for a rushing touchdown, 14, maybe a point for passing. I mean, it was a bad week, no doubt, but it could have been worse. I mean, it, it really could have been worse. Mm -hmm. He's very lucky that he got those 83 rushing yards yesterday. It would have been a complete debacle. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 20 carries, 64 yards, made up the rest with the receptions, 12 points out of receptions in a PPR, another six on the ground, so about an 18-point day for him, can't complain. Tyreek Hill is as solid as they come, five receptions, 77 yards and a touchdown. Nicole Hardman had an appearance in this game, mm -hmm. four receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown for him as well. And Travis Kelsey, of course, rock-solid tight end with about 14, 15 fantasy points, depending on on where you uh, played. And so the game script for Baltimore, Joe, I think is, is probably more of the story here. You got everything that you could have asked for in terms of Kansas City. But where it went wrong for Baltimore was fast and furious. They were not really even able to, to capture any garbage time there. And at the end of the game, mm. it wasn't even Mark Andrews, who the tight end, who caught their final touchdown. So 
All in all, a very disappointing script, I think, for Baltimore. Jackson was the only one who sort of had a blip of hope in this one. Their running backs did nothing. Ingram, Dobbins, nothing there. Uh, Brown, nothing for him also. Uh, the road gets much better for Baltimore, and I assume that you can plug all of them back in this week. But Kansas mm-hmm. City imposed their will early, and I think that was more or less the story of the game. Yeah, and I want to give a little credit to the Kansas City Chiefs defense, too. They played very well in the second half of last year, got them all the way to the Super Bowl and that Super Bowl victory. They played very well in that Super Bowl, especially in the second half of that game. But they did a really good job for three quarters of neutralizing Mark Andrews. And if you could do that to Lamar Jackson and make him find guys like Marquise Brown, who had a drop or two in this scenario, and, and a few other guys, it, all of a sudden it's a little bit tougher of a night for Lamar. So that is definitely the blueprint. Can you slow down Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson, that combination of guys together? Because that has been very fruitful for the them to do a lot of things in the running game and Lamar was trying his best there was a good amount of pressure there too offensive line did not play great last night for Baltimore they tend to be a very physical unit they didn't quite look like themselves and once again I keep going back to the same issue which is it's troubling to me that in these big matchups especially big matchups at home in your own building no crowd aside that you continue to struggle in those matchups and that's something and the staff and everybody else I think together on the page and say okay All the numbers we can put up, all the W's, doesn't matter at the end if we can't win these big-time games and these big-time matchups. And I understand the Chiefs are a difficult team to scheme against. They have so many weapons. It is really tough to go out there and stop them because, look, Miko Hardman can beat you. Tyreek Hill can beat you on one play. Tyreek Hill can have zero catches in the entire game, have one catch, and blow the game open. And that is something that a lot of teams just frankly do not have. And then when they add Clyde Edwards-Alaire into that mix this year, too, I mean, look, this is just a really difficult out. I mean, the there's the Patriots are in for a hell of a fight next week when they have to go to Kansas City and play them. Yeah, I, I think that for me, uh, another takeaway here was we, we've had three weeks of the Ravens rushing game being really unclear. Um, one week a dud, mm-hmm. which was this week. One week Ingram last week. The week before was right. Dobbins and Dobbins looked OK, but he was getting more of the goal line carries. But for, for, and I'm an Ingram owner, but for, for, I think the Ingram owners at this point, Joe, I mean, think about it here. We're like almost 20% through the fantasy season. And I know that there have been a lot of, of folks that thought that maybe eventually the shoe would drop on Ingram and they did draft Dobbins. And I hate to say it, but I, I, I kind of want to see a good week from Ingram coming up here or else that ADP that we have for Ingram at the beginning of the season is not going to deliver. You're not wrong, and I think that if he doesn't have a good week coming up this week, you might see some more Dobbins, and they did get away from the run a little bit too early, in my opinion. I understand it's very daunting when you get down early in a game, and all of a sudden the dynamic changes, and all of a sudden that game script changes a little bit. You have to be more aggressive at the passing, but... If you're the Ravens, you have to bring them down to your level where you succeed is running downhill. And they did. That first drive the Ravens had was fantastic. It only ended up in a field goal, unfortunately, which I thought, again, they did a really good job there of stopping them. But look, they had the momentum there and then they got away from what they do best. And if you're going to win football games, the Ravens, no matter what that score says, you run the football, run the football and then run the football some more because that is when you are ultimately successful. And you might have to grind your way back into these games a little slower than you might like but i think they got a little bit away from what they do best because of what the scoreboard said and i understand the reasoning but look at the end of the day it didn't work and i don't think it's going to work in the future yeah and and i think that the ravens are are definitely a still a really good football team i really have no concerns with them whatsoever but at this point now that we're three weeks in you have to start identifying which of the players that 
may be good for you and which you, and some that you may have to look for other options mm-hmm. for. And so it'll be another big waiver week. And of course, we will hit that on tomorrow's show as well as uh, have Dr. Chow on and talk about all of the injuries in the NFL and everything else. And uh, last thing, Joe, in terms of the uh, the tight end position, I know Andrews has been rock solid for uh, for Baltimore. But what gives not throwing a him in the end zone? That was a big surprise yesterday. Yeah, it certainly was. Again, I'm I'm going to keep going back to it. They did a really good job of game planning, and they would hit him at the line of scrimmage. There were a couple double teams they were working on him. When you go back and you watch the game again, if you, if anybody goes back and sees it, you'll see they really neutralized him, and and they were able to get bodies on him at the times where they know that Lamar Jackson is looking for him, and that was a game changer in this contest last night. Yep. Coming up next, there are some players in fantasy that are starting to emerge, not just as starters, but maybe fantasy studs. We'll hit on that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. But first, we have Chris Kosky up with the news update. Of course, we got plenty more to come. Stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Pia. We're back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. Whereas we dive into some emerging fantasy stars here in 2020. And as I mentioned previously, we are about, what, almost a third of the way through the fantasy season. Who would think that that is possible? But again, for most people, it's 13 weeks in the regular season. And so, Joe, we can start to take a look at some of the data of these teams playing. And uh, I think it's a really interesting dynamic to see some of these players that had lower ADPs that are now starting to deliver uh, what would be a higher ADP at the end of the season. Of course, you always have to take these with a grain of salt because three games does not make a season. Uh, But at the same time, I think we're seeing some players emerge to potentially maybe move up their ADP for 2021. Yeah, and two of these guys I had zero expectations for. Uh, Three of them, very excited to have in a lot of leagues. I wish I had all five, but sadly I don't. So uh, one guy I do have in a lot of leagues, and I know we've talked about him on this show a ton, is DK Metcalf. And I think when you look at the Russell Wilson we're seeing this year, yes, Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. However, it's the conversions now to DK Metcalf, where last year some of those balls were dropped in the red zone that he had. He had a ton of drops in the red zone last year. Now when those start converting, you see these Russell Wilson stats are record-breaking, literally record-breaking right now, the first three we see the season. Of 22 for 297 three touchdowns. I understand he had a little, little mick up in this last game. He probably should have had another touchdown, another reception uh, that he had, but uh, got knocked out by the goal line area because he wasn't protecting the football. Lesson learned. But move on. However, back now, tearing it up. He's a threat. And the two on fan was he beneficial because his touchdown equity is huge every single week in that offense especially with the matchups they've had so far now with some injuries to the running game who knows maybe even a slight uptick is possible as well but dk absolutely delivered this year on all the expectations that i had for him and they've been very very high to begin with so good on dk and you could tell because the proof is in the pudding with those stats from russell wilson right now lockett's been great too but dk metcalf has been the difference maker here in this offense that have taken it to a next level Yeah, and Metcalf should have some extra numbers on his fantasy season because, of course, 
he pulled a little Leon Lett there at the end of uh, his yeah, last touchdown. Yeah, that's what I talked about. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was not fun. But to his credit, went after him after said, hey, you know, shake it off. Get focused. It was a good moment there. That's what a leader does. That's why Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate because he's that kind of a quarterback. And sure enough, when they needed him at the end of the game, DK had the big touchdown catch at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, I have two leagues, and he's on both of them. I hope that he uh, continues for me, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers at this point are are certainly looking better than they were last year, and there's going to probably have to be some apologies going around to that team because they <laughs> look like they're a contender. And with Devontae Adams out last week, Alan Lazard had a fantastic game, and now you wonder if he is cementing himself as the second wide receiver on the Packers. They simply have not had one for many years He has 13 receptions on 17 targets for 254 yards and two touchdowns. And he was a great play certainly last week without Adams. But I would wonder, Joe, if if he can maintain this now moving forward and become, he doesn't even have to be the 1A, but become the 2 to to Adams' 1 because they, they just don't have anyone else to catch the ball. They haven't had anyone else in years to catch the ball. So maybe this is the beginning of something. I can't say that I'm 100% sure, but at the very least, uh, he's he's probably a wide receiver three at this point. I think you got to consider that. Oh, sure. Oh, I think he absolutely is. And we saw glimmers last year of some moments with him and Rodgers, but this was his coming out party on Sunday Night Football. And to step up in that void without Devontae Adams and to get a big victory on the road, I think that goes a long way with the Packers, the OC, and Aaron Rodgers. And he's absolutely the number two there, and I think he is a viable wide receiver three going forward because of that. And to step up in that void where you're missing the best player on your team and do what he did in that game is enormous. And he's had a couple good games as well leading up to this. But if there was one guy when we went through those mock drafts that was on probably almost every roster late in the 12th round, 13th round wide receiver, it was Alan Lazard. Go back and watch. And that's why you take flyers with guys who have good quarterback play and you hope that they can emerge and step up into the fantasy realm and be relevant. And right now, this dude is relevant. And I think he's going to be relevant going forward. Also, and well, we hope that Adams gets healthy because that's a good thing. That means less, uh, you know, double coverage for a guy like Lazard to have to worry about. So hopefully, Adams gets right. But I think going forward, regardless, Lazard definitely deserves a look in all of your lineups going forward, and even in Fanduel as well. You can start to make the case for him too, depending on the cornerback matchup that week. Yeah, I made another five bucks this week. I'm uh, I'm, I'm red hot right now on Fanduel here. I'm 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 just rolling in money with with everything on Fanduel. <laughs> $5 to make 10, three weeks in a row. Crushing it. Awesome. Okay, the Ram, the Rams. We uh, This is an interesting one because Daryl Henderson has looked like the best running back with the Rams, but, you know, he looked like the best running back with the Rams at times last year too. So I'm, I'm very curious how this one moves forward because thus far he basically has had to play a lot more than he thought and a lot more than the Rams thought because Cam Akers got hurt and he missed last week's game. 35 carries for 201 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, which is a huge number. And he also has two touchdowns. But, you know, Joe, this is one of those guys that I'm not sure if he's a stud or if I should be selling high on this guy because they did not draft Akers to sit all year. I can tell you that. Brown is not somebody who's who's really worth much at this point. Maybe he'll get some touchdowns, one-yard, two-yard touchdowns. I thought Henderson was going to be a thing last year. He showed this for two games last year, thought he was going to be a thing over Gurley. Inevitably, they went back to Gurley. And I wonder if Henderson is the ultimate sell high right now. I actually don't think he is. And this is a guy that I full disclosure definitely wrong about because I did not have him as being the guy in this backfield. But with the Cam Akers injury, 
And with Malcolm Brown's little injury too, and the yards per average here that you're getting 5.7. I mean, that's a big number here for Henderson. So he has been more than effective with the football when it's been in his hands. I think between last year and this year is this year it's a meritocracy. This year it's about who's performing. It's not about who's getting paid the big contract to be the guy. So when you take that out of the mix, it's starting to feel at least this point into the season that the Rams are competitive in all these games, right? And I think going forward, they look at Henderson, who's been very efficient with the football. It's nice to have options, but it's hard not to see Henderson kind of taking this ball and literally running with it, no pun intended, the rest of the season, possibly. Brown might spoil a couple moments here and there, but with the Acres injury, it's starting to feel like maybe the rookie is a better long-term investment, but a investment is starting to feel that. And sometimes it happens with anyway. Rams football is hard to imagine that Henderson will continue to get a fair amount of volume. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm going to go the other way on it. I, I think I think uh, Acres ends up still being the guy, and I would sell Henderson because, again, I, I sort of bought in last year. Maybe that's just me being stubborn off of off of what he did to me last year owning him. But um, I'm curious to see moving forward. Although the Rams' performance was fantastic against Buffalo last week, I can't hold mm-hmm. them accountable at all for that. They came all the way back, almost won the game at the end. Uh, James Robinson of Jacksonville, boy, this is this is just the biggest surprise probably of all at, at running back this year. He has been great. 43 carries, 210 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, three touchdowns, catching the ball out of the backfield. We know Jacksonville's going to play from behind, so this guy's even going to get third down work as well. And he he becomes one of the big stories of the fantasy season. I don't know if he's a league winner yet. We're going to have to see that play out a little bit. But he's certainly getting all the touches. He's getting all the opportunities. He was not a name anybody mentioned in the draft season at all maybe up until two days before. And so Mm -hmm. for me, he's one of the bigger surprises in fantasy and he's solid. He looks, he looks good. I mean, I've I've watched him play now a couple of weeks. He he does look elusive and, and and I don't think there's any reason to sell him and and he may end up being an RB one at the end of the year. Right now, just take this in boys and girls. He is on pace for 1500 all purpose yards. That's it. 1,500 already. That's that's crazy to think that James Robinson, a guy that nobody knew who this guy was, and this happens every year. And I got to tell you, I'm shocked about this because we were talking about a Zigbo. We were talking about Reichwell Armstead. Nobody knew who Robinson was. And even if you did, you had to be worried that he was going to be this good or have anything close to this. Now, I don't see any time this stopping because so far the Jacksonville offense, generally speaking, has run a lot better. And I'm going to credit Uh, Jay Gruden with that because clearly he's coming with a good scheme and they've been able to put some points on the board this year far more frequently than they did last year. And Minshew's another year deeper into being an NFL quarterback. So that certainly helps too. But it's the receptions for me when it comes down to Robinson that's been so impressive. To catch 10 of his 11 targets, that is super efficient. That is fantastic. That's what we want out of our all-purpose PPR running backs. And Robinson has been great. I would not sell high on him. I would keep this. You found the diamond in the rough. You got him for a buck or maybe 10 at the most. And guess what? This guy's been a game changer, and he's going to probably finish somewhere as a high-end RB2 if everything continues on, with maybe even the possibility, if he stays on exactly this track, a low-end RB1, which is staggering, considering he was free. And then finally, we go to the tight end position where Noah Fant has been uh, really solid for the first three games of the season for the Denver Broncos, 14 receptions, 21 targets, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. And very clearly, if Vic Fangio names Blake Bortles the starter, you need to trade Noah Fant as fast as you possibly can because that's the end of uh, of Noah Fant <laughs> if that's uh, happening today. I'm very scared for that. 
Uh, I, I think fan, I think these are the best three games fans going to have all year, Joe. If that if that is the case, I would be very concerned and hoping Driscoll stays at quarterback. Well, you're you're probably not wrong there, but let's at least bask in the glory for a short period of time. How good Noah Fant's going to get? We talked about it uh, much in heading into uh, draft season and into the season and previews. We talked a lot about fading that top of the tight end tier guys like Noah, looking for guys like Johnu Smith, and if you did that, you hit on one of these guys because you could bait. Move him back to back and see which pan out. Uh, Blake Jarwin unfortunately got hurt, but we were able to replace him with Dalton Schultz. But look, Noah Fant has been very good so far. You saw as a rookie, he was able to show you some moments, and a lot of rookie tight ends don't even give you that. So Noah Fant, to me, I am crossing my fingers. He is useful the rest of the season. I know the Thursday night matchup against the Jets is one that I would like to play him in. So let's hope that uh, he gets some uh, good quarterback play going forward the rest of the season. Yeah, not if Blake Bortles is a quarterback. You could pretty much you could pretty much say goodbye to Vic Fangio too if he makes that call. The guy's been in camp for one week. You're going with him over Crystal. What a horrible decision that would be. We'll take a break here on Fantasy Sports today. Hot Take Tuesday is next, so make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. That's the website to check out for all of our news and information in terms of sports wagering, fantasy, and, of course, a little reality as well. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you till 2 o'clock Eastern. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to dive into some fantasy or reality. Ask the questions that you guys want answered a little bit later on the show, of course. And if you have fantasy players uh, and, and you own players on the Tennessee Titans right now, probably freaking out a little bit. We're going to try and walk you through this thing and hopefully get you to Sunday. Uh, this could be a very wild week for fantasy and, and one that is going to require a lot of adjusting. And I know that there are a lot of people who are watching this show who automatically, as soon as they heard the news, went to their phone and looked or their laptop and said, oh, my gosh, do I have anybody on Tennessee on a team? Do I have anybody on Pittsburgh on a team? And that's that's part of it. And, and, and by tomorrow, I think we'll have some more clarity on that. I can't imagine the NFL waiting longer. But my advice is if you have any players on Pittsburgh or Tennessee this week. Uh, probably come up with some other options. All right, so uh, let's dive into Hot Take Tuesday, and we'll start off, Joe, with the wide receiver position in fantasy, and no doubt it's been a very nice, easy, and smooth transition for DeAndre Hopkins to Kyler Murray now that he is playing in Arizona, although, wow, shockingly, they lost last week to the Lions. My great Lions are making a huge comeback here. DeAndre Hopkins, Joe, (laughs) Hot Take Tuesday, is the best wide receiver in fantasy football right now. Is that a hot take? This is not a – I don't think it is. This is not a hot take. This is true. And the the demise of DeAndre Hopkins was grossly overstated. I don't know what was going on here. There was so much negativity flowing out there in the fantasy football analyst community about DeAndre Hopkins, which I don't understand because when you go back and you look at – the history of Hopkins and some of the quarterbacks he's played with, whether it be Brock Osweiler or Brian Hoyer or any of these guys, it was only recently that he had Deshaun Watson. And then, oh yeah, remember he got hurt and he had to play with other guys and he was always good no matter what. So moving to a Cliff Kingsbury offense, incredibly athletic quarterback, why did this was going to be an, I don't understand it. He was there in pace in terms of relative position value with Julio Jones and Devontae Adams. Uh, Michael Thomas was still above all of those guys, but with Michael Thomas on the shelf, with Julio out last week and Devontae Adams out last week, right now, I do not think it's a hot take at all to say right now and maybe even rest of season because of the health issues 
that DeAndre Hopkins is the best fantasy wide receiver. So I do not think this is a hot take. I think it's truth, and I think it's great because this is a good dude right now playing chip on his show and showing Bill O'Brien what a huge mistake he made. Craig, do you think this is a hot take? No, and, and I think part of that is because Thomas is hurt, so it's a little unfair to him. But given the statement and what we're saying, I think that it is it is an accurate statement at this point. And, and I got to tell you that I was one of those people that was skeptical about Hopkins only because the trade looked so bad on the surface. And, and I wanted to believe that there's no possible way that they could, that one organization can make that bad a trade that looks like on paper and ends up being the case. And it does. It ends up being the case. And it looks like it because the trade that they made, uh, the players that forget about the players that got in return. You want to talk about Dunn, David Johnson. I don't know what he had in him in week one. That guy cannot run again. He looks exactly like he did last year. Nothing has changed. Anybody who tweeted anything out from week one, you're going to look really foolish because this, because I, I don't know, maybe he has a bad back. I can't figure out what's up with him, but I watched that game very closely between Pittsburgh and Houston. The play calling was horrible from Houston. I don't know why mm. they run on first down every single time they get the ball. It is incredible. Every year, uh, every year, three, four years in a row it now. Is, that's it what is they do. Just baffling. And, and David Johnson can't move. This guy cannot. I know he had a touchdown because everybody ran one way and he ran the other, but I don't, if I had David Johnson in fantasy league, just like Gurley, I would, I would be dumping them as fast. I would take 10 cents on the dollar for that guy in fantasy, <laughs> which is sad. Because I thought he was going to be a superstar in the NFL, but if I had to guess, we don't see him a single play in 2021. I, I think it is over for him. Gurley may hang around just because it's you know, just because he could score, but uh, wow. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Hopkins is the best. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, our second statement of the day, Nick Foles, who came in, led the bears to a, miraculous win they've had a few of these this year will lead the bears to a playoff after a three and oh start joe i'll start off with this one uh i i don't think that this is a hot take full just has something about him I don't, I don't know what it is but there's been quarterbacks like this in the past that have come into games frank reich was one of those many years ago 20 years yeah. you know everyone so like Foles could go to like a different location once every few Jeff years yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna spark the Bears. Now it didn't happen for him in Jacksonville, and you know what? Maybe it wouldn't happen for anybody in Jacksonville. Maybe that's it's just their offensive line was that bad last year that they couldn't get anything going for him. But Foles could still probably play another four or five years in the NFL. Probably not with the Bears. He'll play this year. He'll do pretty good. Maybe he'll play one more year and then he'll go somewhere else. But I, I think Foles' career is far from done. And it wouldn't surprise me because he, he there's just something about him that teams like when he's in the game. They seem to play hard for him. So I, I, I don't think it's probable, but I also don't think it's impossible. So I would say it's not a hot take also. Yeah, I got to say the way the Vikings are that kind of actor, I think they're hot take. So I'm going to say it's not because Minnesota has been so dreadful and they're going to have to play them a couple times and they look beatable. And that's something that, I thought it was going to be a tough slug for the uh, Chicago Bears to handle, but the defense has played better. Montgomery's going to have this backfield to himself, too, which is going to be fascinating to see what Tariq Cohn out. Now, how Montgomery responds to that bigger workload, because it is going to get bigger. So keep an eye on that. But uh, I don't think there's a hot take either. I think the Bears, which I thought they were for sure under, <laughs> I think the number was eight. They're already at three. So I'm very glad yeah, that I didn't put that wager out. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, go over the Minnesota Vikings. Now, certainly we're going to wait to see what ends up happening with them this week and see if they play or not. And so we don't really have anything except speculation. So let's just go off what we know, assuming that they play 16 games this season. They're 0-3, Joe. They 
they came out on fire last week against Tennessee, and I thought, okay, like they'll get their one win. Maybe they'll get a few. But, I mean, not many teams come back looking this bad and are also 0-3. So on Hot Take Tuesday, we asked the question, the Minnesota, or make the statement, the Minnesota Vikings season is over. I I think this is a hot take. It's real close. But the only reason it's not, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we do a little deeper dive on Kirk Cousins, when you look at what he did in September of last year and then October and November combined, we're talking 18 touchdowns and one interception in, in October and November. Last year, he was red in September. October, he turned things around. And if Kirk Cousins can do that again and Jefferson becomes a thing, Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs on the planet. Uh, it's the defense right now. I don't think they're done yet, but I know they're feeling very close, but it is still pretty early. Let's see if they can get a W here the next time they take the field. Greg, what do you think? I think it's over. I, I don't I don't think that it's over in the sense that they're going to go 2-14 and 14 or 3-13, and 13, but I, I don't think they come back from 0-3 to go 9-7. and 7. So from that respect, I do think it is over, and I thought that last week was, was a crusher. In, in some of these games... It, they become habit. Like it's become habit for Atlanta to blow games. It's now becoming habit mm-hmm. for the Vikings to blow games too. So I will say it is over from the respect of, I think they'll go under their win total and I don't think that they'll make the playoffs, but certainly I don't think they will be two and 14 either. All right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. Now, again, when I pick games in the super contest, these are the games that I watch very carefully. So the Browns was one Houston was another, that was horrible, but I watched the Browns very carefully in this game. And we're going with the statement that the Browns can run their way into the playoffs. I'll start off here. I think this is a hot take. I don't think it can happen. Uh, I I have to believe eventually teams are going to stop the run. Baker Mayfield does not look good. He overthrows Mm -hmm. his receivers. He has no semblance of a connection with Odell Beckham. No semblance of a connection with Landry. Still throws the ball up in the air when he's not supposed to. I don't know that Baker Mayfield's ever going to be good in the NFL. I am concerned with that. And they required five turnovers from Washington to win and cover this game. <laughs> Washington should have yep. not only covered, but they should have won this game. They had a chance, but Haskins is just, unfortunately, doesn't look like he could play. So I'm going to say this is, you know, they've added an extra playoff team, so I, w- I wouldn't put the percent at 90, but I don't think so, Joe. I, I think eventually teams are going to, just load up and say, let Baker beat us. I don't think he can. So I don't think they can run their way into the playoffs. At the end of the year, Chubb's going to have a 1,000. Maybe Hunt will have that or close, and it'll look good statistically. But I don't think this is better than an eight-win team. You know what? I think they can run their way into the playoffs. The problem is I think they won't. And the reason is Baker Mayfield will continue to take shots he does not have to. And you saw it in the Cincinnati game where things are going really well and a shot and he got irresponsible with the football and he threw a pick. And the next thing you know, things all crumbled around there and they basically pulled it out of a hat and won that game. Same thing with Washington. There's turnovers and they pull it out of a hat. If they would just stick to this game plan and really be boring and continue to run play action, which is basically where Baker Mayfield is shining from a QB rating right now, his QB rating when he's when he's in play action is so much better than when he's just sitting in the pocket. If he does that and they can continue to focus on that in the offense, I think they could run their way to the playoffs. Miles Garrett's playing really well coming back this year after the suspension last year. He's played fantastic football. I think the Browns defensively are okay. But the problem is I don't think they're going to get away from this, unfortunately, in every game. And Baker Mayfield's continue to find that cowboy inside of him and it's going to get them in trouble more often than not. So I think that's the path for the Browns. 
what I can't sort out with him because I don't know the the statistics, but he it seems like every time they hike the ball to him, he's automatically looking to move. Like he just doesn't stand in the pot. And maybe it's because the Browns' offensive line isn't good. I don't know the answer to that. But the second he gets it, I feel like he's panicking already, and he's already looking to you know to move hmm. and throw. He doesn't ever stand there and just wait. And and maybe he can't. Well, he's maybe not confident. You're not. No, no, I don't think he's confident in his progressions more than anything. I think he Maybe. is still struggling with all of that personally. That's because the offensive line is playing all that poorly. You know, he's not taking more sacks than anybody else necessarily. He's just in a spot where he does not look comfortable with his progressions and he just look, doesn't look comfortable that he's going to make the right decision. And the more you take the pressure off him, the better the Browns respond. And it was my hope going into this year that Baker Mayfield could somehow get confident again. And maybe he will as the season goes on. But once again, what we saw last week, what we saw two weeks ago, it's the same thing. He gets irresponsible with the football. He takes reckless shots where he doesn't have to, and that puts this team backwards. If they would just run the football and run the football and run the football some more, kind of like what they did last year with Baltimore play defense, I think they could backdoor their way into a playoff spot potentially in the AFC because I think there's some openings there. All right, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints, and Michael Thomas has missed the last couple of games. There is some thought that he could return this week. And on Hot Take Tuesday, we asked the question, Joe, Michael Thomas, uh, more important to the Saints than Drew Brees. And, and Joe, it's it's been painfully obvious that Brees is struggling like he hasn't in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that you just have to ask yourself, is it because of Thomas or is it just because of, of Brees at this stage? You know, immediately my head goes to, oh, that's a hot take. But then when you start to think about how they won football games last year with Teddy Bridgewater, you have pause. And I don't know the answer to this right now. It, it is tough. The every, you know, fiber of my being says, well, no, the guy who's thrown more touchdown passes than anybody else is most important. But I don't know. Could they win more games with Winston right now? Ugh, that is That could be a hot take. I think they are equally important. So I will say at the end, it's a hot take. They seem like they need each other. Michael Thomas is a fantastic football player. I don't think he gets enough credit. I think everyone just assumes, oh, well, Drew Brees is one of the greatest of all time. That's why Thomas is good. Thomas is really good, just like DeAndre Hopkins is really good, no matter who's playing quarterback. But man, they're real close right now for me, Craig. Yeah, and I would love to see, and I know Traquan Smith stepped up a little bit, but you would really love to see someone emerge there and become a guy for Drew Brees, but it just hasn't happened. And you know, is getting a lot of the action and a lot of the volume, but they're going to need a wide receiver at some point if Thomas does miss another game to end up playing. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to take a deeper look at some of the injuries in the NFL, and we got some updates on those players as well here on this Tuesday, so make sure you stay tuned. More Fantasy Sports Today is coming up next. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mitt. You can follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. And we're back with more FST after this quick break. So stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. FST Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. We got you here till 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll have our headlines coming up at the top of the hour. But very quickly, Joe, we certainly have seen our fair share of injuries in the 2020 fantasy season, albeit last week. Doesn't seem to be as bad as it was the week before. I guess it can't be when you lose 
the first overall pick and the second overall pick in the fantasy drafts. But let's take a look right now and take a look at some of the players who are probably not going to be suiting up this weekend in fantasy and probably not going to be there in reality as well. And certainly when you look at it, uh, Tariq Cohen was, you know, the bigger one because he is out for the season. Uh, you could cut him from your fantasy rosters. Jamal Adams on the defensive side, that certainly is important for Seattle. They're not playing any defense at all. Dallas Goddard out a couple of weeks, unfortunately for him. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been able to stay healthy in years. Chase Young had a groin injury, missed last week's game. Russell Gage is questionable for this week, and so is Deontay Johnson. who didn't return to his game last week, although Pittsburgh may not play this week anyway. Uh, Buffalo uh, and John Brown will have to check on his calf injury. And then Chris Godwin, who's had a, a hard time staying healthy, unfortunately for him, with a concussion and a hamstring issue. So certainly Godwin is the biggest name, Joe, of all mm. of these players and probably the one player that's really not replaceable of all of these players. And so as the week goes on, we'll have to keep an eye on it. And certainly Dr. Chab will weigh on, in on his thoughts tomorrow. Yeah, Godwin's definitely the most disappointing one, too, because he just came back healthy and looked so good in that game against Denver. And then for him to go out with a different injury with a hamstring, it's it's tough because Tom Brady threw for almost 300 yards in that game. It looked like the Bucks were moving forward and you had big time draft capital, probably a second round pick in Godwin. And so far, that has not worked out really well. It's unfortunate. But the Eagles, too. Let's talk about the mash unit that's the Eagles right now. No Deshaun Jackson. Jalen Rager are out for a significant period of time. Dallas Goddard now to miss some time as well. I don't know what they can possibly Carson Wentz can do going forward because everybody on this team is either hurt and or underperforming. You finally got Miles Sanders back. He looked pretty good last week. But, Craig, the Eagles season just looks like it's really hitting the rocks right now. Yeah, and with those injuries, it was surprising at the end of the game last week that they just didn't go for it and try to win and just throw a bomb yeah. or something. That, and instead, they're 0-2-1. And, and really on the outside looking in. But again, Dallas hasn't looked good either. Giants don't look good. We know Washington isn't very good. Maybe another 7-9, and 8-8 mm. eight eight gets you in. Maybe that's the way Philly looks at it. Certainly possible. All right, we'll be back with Hour 2 and our headlines on Fantasy Sports today. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 